Of course, my uh, reason for excitement about the season was more about the toys going to be underneath the tree than <laughs> what it should have been. And as Christians now, our anticipation is of recognizing the day that Jesus came into the world. It's not about toys to me anymore. I've got all the toys I need. Um, it's about realizing that I needed a Savior, and that's the greatest gift of all that God gave us on the day we're going to call Christmas as we recognize together. So I trust that your hearts and minds are staying on that and not on the hustle and bustle and the lights and the shopping and everything else, but that our hearts would just continue to think about the gift we have received and have a heart of gratitude for that. Would you join me as we start our service with worship and prayer? So if you'll stand, we'll pray together and sing some great Christmas carols. Father, I can think back on a lot of Christmases and how excited I was to get bicycles or BB guns or whatever it was and thinking, you know, this is the greatest gift in the world. Wow. And now I look at my life and I look at my need for a Savior and the gift that you gave is beyond anything that I could even imagine that you would be willing to not just set aside your glory and come to this earth and show us who you really were and reveal your very essence, your nature to us, but that you would be willing to die because you knew that's what was required, the sacrifice for sin to gain our salvation and give us the privilege, the unbelievable joy of one day living with you in heaven. We praise you for that. Uh, we live in a world that's just wrapped up in Christmas and it's become such a, a hustle and bustle and, and a, um, everything about money and things and not about you. So I pray that we might be a light in the world around us, that they see Christians who are celebrating your birth as the greatest thing of all and your gift as the greatest gift of all. Help us as we sing these songs this morning, the amazing Christmas carols that you've given to people, that um, the words, the, the thoughts, the deep truths that are there would get in our hearts and revive our love for you. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. So angels, the first one we're going to sing is angels from the realms of glory. And again, the thought, I was one of the songs we're talking about, the word keeps coming up, Noel. And I looked up in the internet, you know, what's Noel mean? And Noel is literally Christmas. I think it's French for Christmas. But it's also the carols that we sing. We consider those Noels as well, saying that the Christ child has come. So... Angels were the first ones to bring that as they filled the skies on that morning. Angels from the realms of glory call us to come and worship. Angels from the realms of glory, wing your flight o'er all the earth. 
and worship, worship Christ the newborn King. Shepherds in the fields abiding, watching o'er your flocks by night. God with man is now residing, yonder shines the infant light. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ the newborn King. Saints before the altar bending, watching long in hope and fear. Suddenly the Lord descending, in His temple shall appear. Come and worship, come and worship, Worship Christ, the newborn King. All creation join in praising God, the Father, Spirit, Son. Evermore your voice is raising to the eternal three in one. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ, the newborn King. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ the newborn King. That's what all of these Christmas carols are about, bringing us to worship. Some of them are a little less familiar to us. I don't know if you're familiar with this one or not, but it's a great deep truth that Jesus he should have been born into the most enormous palace on this earth and been waited on by servants coming as the king of kings. Instead, he left that, it says in Philippians, that he set aside that. He didn't think it was something to behold that on to. But he set aside his glory and humbled himself and came as a servant, as a baby in a manger. Thou didst leave thy throne and thy kingly crown When thou camest to earth for me But in Bethlehem's home was there found no room For thy holy nativity Oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus There is room in my heart for thee. Heaven's arches rang when the angels sang, proclaiming thy royal decree. But of lowly birth didst thou come to earth, and in great humility. Oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus, there is room in my heart for thee. The foxes found rest and the birds their nest in the shade of the forest tree. But thy couch was the sod, O thou Son of God, in the deserts of Galilee. Oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus, 
There's room in my heart for Thee. Thou camest, O Lord, with a living word that should set Thy people free. But with mocking scorn and with crown of thorns, they bore Thee to Calvary. Come to my heart, Lord Jesus, there is room in my heart for Thee. When the heavens shall ring and the angels sing at Thy coming to victory, let Thy voice call me home, saying, yet there is room, there is room at my side for Thee. My heart shall rejoice, Lord Jesus, when Thou comest and callest for me. You may be seated. I'm not sure, but I was talking this morning with the team as we were practicing this Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. The words in the first verse remind me of Simeon when he was in the temple and uh, Jesus was brought by Mary and Joseph on the eighth day for his circumcision and Anna was there and recognized that it was the Christ and Simeon was this prophet who had been there and God had revealed to him that he wouldn't die until he got to see the Messiah and he held the baby up and I think this is part of what his prophecy was that Jesus would be Israel's strength and consolation that he would bring hope back to Israel. Come thou long expected Jesus. Spirit, rule in all our hearts, O 
ancient merit raise us to thy glorious throne how many are familiar with that hymn <coughs> wow it's amazing how many beautiful hymns there are in our hymnal and a lot of times we don't really appreciate them or sing them much that's a great one I, I really enjoy it the last uh, one before uh, we have a special and our uh, word from Steve is the first Noel and I just talked a little bit ago of Noel is either Christmas the fact that Christ came to earth or the what the angels sang in this case the first Noel the shepherds came the shepherds were the ones who got to hear first and that's kind of weird you'd think that the uh, angels would go to the the biggest most people who could who could do the most for him they they'd want to get the word out instead they go to the lowliest people that no one else would even talk to hardly outcasts were the first ones to hear about the Christ child and be able to come and worship Noel Noel born is the king of Israel <coughs> Christmas carol called One Small Child. 
And I'm, as I'm thinking, shepherds, everybody who came to that manger, you're looking at a tiny little baby laying in a bed of hay, but they knew that it was God in the flesh. They knew that he was born to be the king of Israel. The faith that they had, that that one tiny little child was going to come and save the world. Mm -hmm. One small child. small child in the land of a thousand one small dream of a savior tonight one small hand reaching out to the starlight one small city of light one king bringing his gold and his riches one king ruling an army of might one king kneeling with incense and candlelight one king bringing us light see him lying a cradle beneath him smiling in the stall. See his mother praising his father. See his tiny eyelids fall. One small light from the flame of a candle. One small light from a city of might. One small light from the stars of the endless night. One small light from a face. See the shepherds kneeling before him. See the kings on bended knee. See his mother praising his father. See the blessed infant sleep. One small child in the land of a thousand. One small dream of a people of might. One small hand reaching out to the starlight. One small Savior of morning will be out of Philippians chapter 1 uh, verses 3 through 11. 
So that's Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. For it is only right for me to feel this way about you all, because I have you in my heart, since both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers of grace with me. For God is my witness, how I long for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. In this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and in all discernment, so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray. Well, thank you, Lord, for uh, just this encouragement of uh, such a relationship with you that we can have fellowship in Christ and grow in Christ and be thankful to you. We praise you for it. We look forward to your uh, message today through Steve and just knowing your spirit works in him and as he prepares these uh, messages and just ask that you change us today as we are in the Christmas season and looking forward to more and more celebrating your son with all the activities and just pray that you do that today for us. Help us to be anew, refreshed anew, Lord, in Christ. And uh, just uh, thank you for the opportunity to worship, to come here and be changed and uh, just to gather us together uh, as a church in fellowship in Christ how important that is, in Christ's name, amen. Good morning. Good to see you all on this Lord's Day. Two weeks from today is what? Christmas. It's amazing, getting so close. Um, In Bruce's prayer, he said that this message that God used to change us. And, and that's really true. God wants the Word, the Spirit, to change us, to encourage us, to change us, to refresh us inside. It really, and I hope you have that thought when you come here today. I want to be a different person. I want the truth of God to be that which really spiritually, dramatically, even eternally, we can say, changes us. Bruce read from Philippians, and I chose it for a reason, but... Um, First, verse 3 says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. Those two verses cover the three themes that we talked about last week and again this week. That is prayer, joy, and thanksgiving. And so it's obvious that Paul was a person who was like this. And let's go then to our main text for today, First Thessalonians chapter 5. And we see these themes of prayer and thanksgiving and joy a lot in the epistles. But First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, rejoice always. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. Verse 18, in everything get, give thanks, for this is God's will for you. 
These are three commands that God gives us to obey. And as you do them, they will have a huge, dramatic impact on your lives. And all three of them relate to your relationship with God. You're to rejoice in the Lord. You're to give thanks to the Lord. You're to pray to the Lord. That's what God wants you to do. And last time we talked about how we're to rejoice in the Lord. That then results in us being filled up with the joy of the Lord. As the Lord's joy fills us up, then then we can live, and you've heard this phrase, live above our circumstances. That is our flesh, our problems, our trials, the, the bad things of life, then don't drag us down. And, and we rejoice in, the, rejoice in the Lord, then, then again, this is what God wants for us all the time. But today I want to focus on these last two, verse 17 and 18. And first we're going to talk about pray without ceasing. Um, this word pray is from the Greek prosuke, and it's just a general word for prayer. It's, it's, it's probably the most common word for prayer. It covers really all aspects of prayer. And I'm going to just mention to you five very briefly. You've heard these, but... Uh, one aspect of prayer is confession, that is, you confess your sins to the Lord. Another one is intercession, that is, you pray for other people. Third, petition, that is, you ask God for his help, for needs that you need to have met. Fourth, there's praise, which is just worship, exalting God, extolling the Lord. And fifth, then, is thanksgiving, which is just offering gratitude to God. And it's a word, then, that this speaks of prayer uh, to God. And, of course, we all know that we don't pray to people. We don't pray to Mary. We don't pray to angels. We don't pray, as some people do, to statues. We don't do that. We pray to God, to the one holy God. He's sovereign. He's almighty. He's powerful. He's omniscient. He knows everything. I was just looking on the computer this morning. It says we're very close to having 8 billion people, and so just really close, maybe another month or so. And, of course, of course who knows exactly, but this one site says about 8 billion. And, and think about this. If everybody... Every single person in the world was praying to God. God would hear them all at that same time and then could also answer their prayer. That's the kind of God that we have. I mean, that's amazing. Eight billion people all praying to God at the same time, and he hears everybody and answers their prayer. Wow, that's true. But the, but the thing we have to understand, and you all know this is when we're talking about God as one who's all-powerful and almighty and all-holy and everything else, is he's also personal, and he loves to hear. So that's, that's one of the most encouraging things about prayer. We, we have somebody we can always talk to. A lot of people get lonely, you know, because they have nobody to talk to. You know, people are on their phones or texting or this or that, you know. We have, we have the Lord Jesus. We have God our Father. It's, it's, such, it's a wonderful, wonderful blessing. Well, let's continue on here. It says that we're to pray without ceasing. This word ceasing literally means that there's to be no interval or gap in our prayer life. I think all of us know that we can't always be voicing some prayer to God. We can't always be on our knees praying to God. So what does this mean? It means this, that your eyes are always on the Lord, that you're always abiding in the Lord, that you're always walking with God, that, 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 that your way of life then is marked by a continual attitude of prayer, a spirit of prayer, a dependence on God. That's what it means. I mean, we have this one example, and I like this one. Enoch, he walked with God. And so there's no doubt this prayer without ceasing would apply to him. He was walking with the Lord. I believe Paul was, was like this too. But, of course, the only one, and we know who this is that was perfect, that did this, was Jesus. You think about Jesus' life on this earth, and you could say he was praying without ceasing, and he did it perfectly so. And that's one of the reasons he could live the way he did, because he was always in communication with the Father, and he is our prime example to pray without ceasing. 
Now, what I want to do now is look at a number of verses that talk about prayer. And, and, and part of my objective this morning is, is, is to make this practical for you. What are some practical things that will help you in your prayer life? So I'm just going to go through a number of verses briefly here. And the first one is Matthew 21, 22. It says, all things you ask in prayer, believing you shall receive. What do we learn? It says that real prayer means that we have faith. If you're really praying to God, it means you're trusting him, you're, you're believing in him, you're relying on him. There, there are times, I will admit this, well, I will be at some time praying, whether it's alone or uh, with other people, and I pray, and, and I get done, it says, you know, was I really praying? Was I really talking to God? And, and I will admit, sometimes I don't. I said, that's not good, but sometimes we can have this prayer that's just a rote prayer. But real prayer means we are looking to the Lord and we are trusting him. We are depending on him. The verse in, in Hebrews eleven six 6 that, that goes with this, without prayer, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and believe that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Okay, so, so, so there that believing, you're believing two things. We said you have to have faith. You're believing that God is God, that he is holy, he is loving, he's powerful, and you're believing that he wants to reward you. That's a very important part of prayer. He says, God really wants to bless me. He's my father. I'm his child, and he loves me, and he can't wait to hear my prayers and answer my prayers. So that aspect, that principle of, of faith is so, so important. The next one, Romans 8, 26, says, We do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Here it says the Holy Spirit helps us to pray. The point here is that you really can't pray apart from the Holy Spirit. I mean, how can you some human on this earth and fleshly at that at times, pray to God. You have to have the Holy Spirit. It says simply in Jude 20, it says pray in the Holy Spirit. Prayer must be dependent on the Holy Spirit helping you to pray. But there's, a, there's another point here that says that he intercedes for us as well. And, 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 and this truth is so encouraging. And, and along with, there was another verse in Romans 8, just a few verses later. It says Jesus Jesus is at the right, right hand of God and, are, inter, and intercedes for us. And so you think about people and, you know, you know people and you have friends and you might say, hey, can you pray for me? And, but, and that's good. We need to pray for one. I'll talk about that in a few minutes. But to think that, that Jesus Christ himself and the Holy Spirit are praying for you, that's phenomenal. Jesus is praying for you. The Holy Spirit is praying for you, interceding for you. I mean, just, this is, that's, that's very encouraging truth to always remember that they are praying on your behalf. Ephesians 6, 6, 6, 18, the next point here. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. So, so what's in view? Ephesians 6 is the chapter, more than any other chapter in the Bible, that talks about spiritual warfare. Chapter, chapter 6, verses 10 through 17. So we come to verse 18, and it's this verse about prayer. With this spiritual warfare in view, what do you need to do? You need to be then praying and, and petitioning for other believers. That makes sense. I mean, none of us here um, have been in warfare. I know, know Don, I don't know all those, his stories, but Don Hastings was, was in Vietnam, and he might have some war stories. But, but none of us here know what it means to be in the front lines, okay? And there's bullets flying and bombs dropping. We don't know what that's like. We've seen movies and things and look pretty scary. But, but have that visual for your life in a spiritual sense. We go through life and every day is a spiritual battle. 
every day bullets are flying, bombs are being dropped, and we should have a sense of fear in that right sense. Wow. And we go along and we can be so naive and just not thinking. There's warfare. It says in First Peter 5, the devil goes about prowling around trying to find one to devour. And, and, and all, I, I can't help but think that each of you know, sometimes sense the spiritual warfare more than others. Isn't that true? Sometimes, man, this spiritual battle is really going on. And that does happen. But the point here is this, is this is very practical again, is we need to be praying for others because they're in warfare. And I don't think you all realize, I don't think you're going to know how God uses your prayer till you get to heaven. You pray for somebody and who knows how God used that to protect them. It says that in John 17, we pray for others that God might protect them. This past Thursday, I was had lunch with somebody is up in near Ehrlich there and, and Bears, and I was turning south on Dale Mabry, and, you know, Dale Mabry's a six-lane road. And, you know, when you get on a road like that, you start accelerating, right? Isn't that what you do? you got to get up to speed. So I started accelerating, and as soon as I started accelerating, here's this car, because, you know, they have those, you know, in the medians there, and there's little things you can turn, and, you know, you, you, you know what I'm talking about. And this car was in that median, and it turned right in front of me. And I saw the last second. I said, whoa. I didn't say that. That's how I felt. I mean, and I slammed on the brakes. I accelerated, then slammed on the brakes, and I couldn't have missed that car by more than a foot, maybe two. That's it. I really want to see the replays in heaven on that one. But and you, you've been in situations like that. And I thought, well, you know, maybe some of you guys were praying that you protect Steve today, and God answered your prayer that way. The point is, is there are difficulties, there are problems. We are in warfare. And to pray every day for the protection of, of fellow believers in this room here, in our church, is really an important thing to do. That's that John 17, pray for protection. So that, that principle, next Philippians chapter 1 verse, um, 1, verse 9. If you have your notes there, I think it should be 1-9. This I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge that, so that you may approve the things that are best. And this is, is an important prayer. Very simply here. It says we're to pray for others that they are abounding in love. And this then is to result in them learning the truth of God's word. And this then is to result in them making good decisions. That's what it says. That is, the love of God relates to loving his word, loving his truth, and then making good decisions. And that's an important prayer to pray for others. That, that they love God and they love his word and they're making good decisions. That, that's, that's, again, uh, very strategic. Uh, it should be strategic in our prayer life. Then we go to Ephesians 1, 16. It says, I do not cease giving thanks for you while mentioning, making mention of you in my prayers. And so we, we see here that giving thanks for believers and praying for them go together. Okay? And, and you see that not just in this verse, in other verses, the verse, verse that Bruce read in Philippians uh, chapter 1, 2, and 3, and 4, that thanksgiving and, and, and prayer go together. But here's the thing. As you thank the Lord for people, you'll oftentimes then be motivated to, to pray for them. Uh, that, that's happened to me so many times. You start thanking the Lord for people, and then you pray for them. I mean, sometimes, I mean, you all know this. There's some people we have a hard time getting along with, okay? That's just part of life. Thank the Lord for them, and God then might move you to pray for them as, as well. Next one, Hebrews 13, 18 says, pray for us. Pray for us. This says that you, that it's perfectly fine to ask others to pray for you. And so be humble 
and ask others to pray for you with particular needs. Make it specific. We should be doing this. And I, and I, I would say it this way, that, that hopefully in your life there's two or three people, maybe four, just a few, that you feel close enough to say, pray for me, and you know they will pray for you. That's, we need that. I'm not going to say it's going to happen to everyone in this room, with everybody, but just a few. Yet you want people that you can say, hey, can you pray for me in this area? And again, it's, it's you know, it could be phone, email, text, you know, one of those ways. Just let them know. Make it simple. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5.25, the same thing. It says, brethren, pray for us. Paul was asking the church there to pray for them. And so, again, be humble. Be humble. And ask others to pray for Again, I'm not saying every day of the week. Well, it could be every day of the week, but, but certain times is, I would, again, encourage you. That's, that's an important thing. Luke 6, 12 says, is at this time that Jesus went into the mountains to pray and spent the whole night praying to God. So here we see the example of Jesus praying, and, and he, he loved the mountains. And, of course, over in Israel, the mountains aren't like, you know, out in the Colorado or something or the Rockies. They might be a couple thousand feet up, but, but I believe Jesus liked it because he was getting away and it was perspective. He could see everything. You know, you get up on the hill and you can see. So he, he spent the whole night praying to God. And, 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 and so we have Jesus here and we have his example. I'm not saying you need to go to some mountain and pray all night. But the idea of getting away to pray. It says in Luke 5.16 a similar thing. It says Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. He would often, often to the wilderness in, in NIV, I believe it says, to lonely places and pray. I don't know where your wilderness is at. I don't know where your lonely place is at. It might be in your house. It might be taking a walk. It might be a certain place you go. But you all need a lonely place where you can pray and you're alone and you know nobody else can hear you. You need that. You need that. You really need that. I, I might have said this before, but, but I, I try to last 23, 24, 23, 24 years go to a camp. It's the Baptist camp on, off of um, Barris, Tampa Bay Baptist Conference Center. And I go try to once a month to go for a day. It's a lonely place. Nobody's really ever there. Get a motel room, put my $20 down, and, you know, got a place. It's quiet. I love it. I love it. And so the point is you need, and, and I will say this, that's one of the best things I've done since I've been here is get to that lonely place where nobody will bother me, but I'm there with the Lord alone. But you need that. I, I cannot stress that enough. You get your lonely place and you pray. And again, not just for two minutes. We're talking some time where you might be reading the Bible and, and, and praying and singing. You might have a hymn book with you, but it's some time with the Lord. Okay? You might read, a, oftentimes I'll read a whole epistle or two. I'll read chapters after chapters and I'll pray and I'll read and I'll pray or I'll go back and forth on that kind of a, a plan there. Ephesians 1.16. Making another principle in prayer. Making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. This, again, is a very important prayer. For it tells us that we should pray for others that they grow in their knowledge of God. And what does knowledge of God mean? It doesn't just mean head knowledge. It means heart knowledge. It means head and heart knowledge. It means your relationship with God is so simple and so basic and so important that when you pray for others and for yourself, you pray that they grow in their relationship with God. I mean, isn't the most important thing that we have is, is our walk with the Lord, our personal relationship with God? And, and so pray that for yourself, but pray that for others. Again, I'm talking specifically about 
people that you know or people you can say lord pray for people in this church but pray for the people that you know that they grow in their relationship with god so vital so vitally important and that's what paul was doing right here in this prayer james five seventeen, the light was a man with a, a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain did not rain on the earth for three years and six months just an example here i'm not going to talk about the story what happened there but his example was that we're to pray with perseverance and and this theme appears a lot in in the bible you got luke chapter 11 which i'm not going to go over there's a story there you got luke 18 there's another story there about prayer and perseverance there's one that i'm not going to go there here but but i'm going to just mention it um it's in second kings 13 second kings 13 14 to 19 it's a story about elisha elisha and he's, he's getting ready to, he's about ready to die he talks to the king. I can't remember the king's name. And he says, says the enemy's coming. I want, you to, I want you to pound the arrows. And, and so as the story goes, the king pounds the arrows three times. And Elisha was upset. He said, you should have pounded the arrow six or seven times. And why did he say six or seven times? Why? Desperation. He says, so, so the point is, persevere. It's the Matthew 7 theme. A- ask, A-S-K, ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened to you. I don't know how you're doing it persevering in prayer, whether it relates to one particular issue, one particular person, one particular need. You pray, and you keep praying, and you keep praying. It may relate to you, you're taking a time to pray, and you're, for 30 minutes straight, you're praying for the same thing, or it might be something you pray for every day for two years or five years or 10 years or 20 years. You read stories about people praying persevering for somebody their whole life and so that principle of perseverance is important but 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 the one more first i want to read colossians 4 12 paphras is always laboring earnestly for you in prayer that you may stand perfect and be fully assured in all the will of god i love this one this is great now it says here let me tell you what it doesn't say it doesn't say epaphras is 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 praying it doesn't say he is always praying. It doesn't say he's, he's, he's always laboring for you in prayer. It says he's always laboring earnestly for you in prayer. That's impressive. Always laboring earnestly for you in prayer. And then what it says, what for? That you might be stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. It covers everything, doesn't it? That really covers everything. That's, that's a great example, that one in Colossians of Epaphras there. Next principle, Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your prayers be, requests be made known to God, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This tells us that when we're anxious, we're to pray. Every one of you get anxious. You probably got anxious this past week. When you get anxious, you're to pray. That's what you're to do. You're to ask God to help you when you're fearful, when you're stressed, when you're worried, when there's problems in your life, and you're to give thanks. Very important. Remember last week we talked about joy. Remember I talked about pills and medicines and people take too many in general in our country? There are three things here. Three things here. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks. I remember with COVID, there's different, you know, supplements people would say to take, and remember one in March and I took him. 
but it was, the, it was the D3 along with the C and the zinc, okay? You might have heard of that combination. You gotta take D3 and you gotta take zinc and you gotta take the C's, all that every day that you could do. I'm saying here, rejoice, pray, and give thanks. Three spiritual medicines for anxiety, three. I'm convinced with all my heart, you rejoice, you pray, you give thanks every day, you could be doing good, spiritually. You'd be doing really, really good. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. That's what you do. And God's got to help you. I, I can't change your heart. You've got to say, Lord, help me to rejoice. Help me to pray. Help me to give thanks. And that's one of the general themes of this whole last week and this week, that God helps you to rejoice, pray, give thanks. RPT. That's what I am saying right here for each one of you. First Timothy 2.1. We continue on, different principles about prayer. I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made hand, be made on behalf of all men for kings and all in authority. We're to pray for all people, that's what it says. But what this verse emphasizes is those in leadership, those in positions of authority, whether that's parents or whether that's employers, whether that's presidents or governors or whether that's pastors. The point I want to say, you understand this, is the devil really attacks leaders, okay? You look at this country, there's a real problem with parents not doing their job, okay? And you know who's attacking the parents? The devil. The devil. You bet he is. You bet he is. And all kinds of authorities, the devil goes after those in authority. Always pray for people in positions of authority. Always, always, always. I don't care who it is. The employer the president, parents, whoever it might be, pastors, pray for those in authority. You all understand last year in the election, and you see it here, you can't miss it in this country, 2022, this past year, it was the election year, right? The election was back in November. The billions of dollars that's spent on who to vote for. I mean, you know that. You've seen the answers. Wow, this is just, mine is crazy. I, I hear one election and $100 million spent in this one election. You know, it's just, it's absolutely, wow. My opinion, more important, much more important than voting for a person is praying for that person. That's what you do. We vote once every two years. Pray every day for those in authority. That's what God says. That's what's important to remember here. Romans 10.1. My heart's desire and my prayer to God is for their salvation. We're to pray for the lost to get saved. You all understand this. I, I can't help but think that all of you have done this in your life. There's people that you know that aren't saved. You pray for them. That's what God wants you to do. But there's one more thing, and if you have your Bible there, turn to Colossians chapter 4, 2 to 4. Colossians chapter 4 gives some more instructions of how you to pray with respect to evangelism. Colossians 4, 2 says, Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been imprisoned, that I may make it clear the way I ought to speak. So you pray. God open doors. Open doors. And secondly, what it says there is that I speak the way I ought to speak, to make the gospel clear. So very, very important you go through life. Pray, God, open up doors today. Open up doors. And sometimes the door might be just you get to know the person. You know, sometimes evangelism isn't just a matter of I'm going to share the gospel with one person today. 
you know. So there's, in fact, a little story here. I don't know how this is going to go, but I, I swim most days of the week. And so the last week, I, uh, it's one of the lifeguards there, and she said that, you know, she was working 40 hours a week and, and even more and overtime and stuff. And so I thought about that, and the next day I went back and I said, you know, I, I was really impressed with what you said yesterday. I said, man, I, I, kids nowadays don't like to work. I've seen it more and more that kids are just lazy. I'm not saying all over the, yeah, but a lot. It's just the culture is that they just don't like to work. I said, I'm impressed. And she just, she starts shaking. I said, whoa. But, but I, I wanted her to know that I was encouraged to see that she was a hard worker. But see, that then can open a door. I'm going to give her one of my blog cards probably sometime in the next week. It opens doors. There's things you can do and say with people that will make room then for the gospel. First Timothy 2.8. I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands. It's very simple. Men are to pray. Sometimes men, and I think this can be more true with, than women. I'm not saying women aren't this way. But sometimes men can think they know it all. They're too proud. I don't need to pray. I can figure it out. I can do it. Men need to be humble. But what it also says here is what? Men need to be humble and holy. Two conditions for prayer. Humble one to pray, and holy, that is your heart is right before God. There's no doubt that we can't pray rightly for God if our hearts aren't right before the Lord. Turn to Psalm 66. And of course, this relates to everybody. It's not just men. And you all know that, that this, this verse can apply to everybody in the sense we all need to be ones who are praying and lifting up holy hands. It says in Psalm 66, the last few verses, it says, If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. If there's known sin in your heart, God can't hear. But certainly God has heard. He has given heed to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, who has not turned away my prayer nor his loving kindness from me. I love this. And the, the last verse is, is interesting because it ties in loving kindness and prayer together. God loves you. And so he wants you to pray and he wants them to answer your prayer. That's what he wants to do. John 14, 13, we continue. A lot in prayer. There's a whole lot in prayer. I'm just trying to sum things up today. John 14, 13, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. This is another one of the important points on prayer that we pray not for our own self per se or for our glory, but for the glory of God. It says in, in John 11, 4, it says this uh, sickness is not to end in death, but it's for the glory of God so that Jesus may be glorified. That's what it says. Then you go to John 11, verse 40. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? So, so when you're praying, you have this thought, Lord, I, I, I want you to do this so that you can get the glory. And sometimes our prayers can be self-centered. I mean, and our, maybe our prayer is not wrong per se. What we want is a good prayer. But, but have this bigger picture of, of God when you answer, I want you to get the glory, and I'm going to tell people what you did. So that, that truth there is, is very, again, important. Early church was devoted to prayer, a key ingredient for the growth of the church, and I would say the key ingredient for our success and growth and prosperity, spiritually speaking, as a church is prayer. This is what it says. Just a few verses. I'm going to read them. Acts 1.14 says, They were continually devoting themselves to prayer. Acts 3.1, they were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. Acts 4.31, when they had prayed, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Apostles said, we will devote ourselves to prayer. Uh, Acts 12.12, many were gathered together and were praying. Acts 13.3, it says, when they had fasted and 
prayed. I'm not going to go into all the stories there, but they're all different stories. The point is the church prayed. And that's what God wants, personally, individually, in groups. Some pray before church. We pray Wednesday nights. Prayer is critical. I want to conclude this part on prayer by encouraging you to pray and pray all the more. I, I know you all pray. I know you all pray. But as I think about this for myself, I say, man, I could do more. You know, that, that praying without ceasing, that whole truth is, Lord, help me to pray more. So I, I, I know I need to pray. I believe you all could say that. So the, the thing I want to say is, 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 is go back over this. There's notes back on the table if you want them. Is say, Lord, what, what two or three things or three or four things can I grow in prayer? And make it practical for your life. That's, that's, that's what I'm suggesting to you here for how to apply this. And also pray with others. And remember, you show your love for God by praying to him, and you show your love for others by praying for them. You know, we think of how to love somebody, pray for them. It's, it's very, very simple, very important here. Well, let's continue on. Now we're talking about Thanksgiving, verse 18, first Thess 5, 18, and everything give thanks. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The phrase give thanks literally means to give freely, to give freely. God has blessed us and given us so many things that it's only right that we give back to him by expressing our gratitude and showing appreciation and honor to God for who he is and what he has given us. That's all. You're just giving back. It's just expression. It's, it's, it's your heart. It's your, the words of the Lord for, again, who he is and what he has done for you. Turn to Psalm 136. We um, usually have this read responsorily on Thanksgiving because it's really a Thanksgiving psalm. Psalm 136. Just want to read a couple verses here. Verses 1, 2, 3, and then the last verse. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Then the conclusion is, give thanks to the God of heaven, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And and what you have here, this is a summary, different summaries in in the Old Testament, particularly about the Israelites and their journeys. This summarizes their journey and in every verse talks about, hey, God shows his love. And therefore, then, we are to give thanks. That's, that, that's what, I'm, what I'm saying here. And so we're to thank God that he is God, that he is God of heaven and earth. And in this world, we see things happening. Thank God that he's God. Thank God that he is the Lord. Thank God that he is sovereign over everything. Everything, everything, everything. In fact, I'll just say this quickly. This isn't part of the message, but I'm reading through Ezekiel. And, of course, you know, the prophets talk a lot about the sin of the people. And it's talking there in Ezekiel 7 and 8 and 9 that God's going to judge them. And this phrase, the most common phrase that appears in Ezekiel is this, and they will know that I'm the Lord. Those wicked people, they're going to know sooner or later, that I am the Lord, I am in charge, I am in holy, and they're not going to get away with it, okay? They will know. So sometimes in your heart's a little troubled by what you see in the world, and my heart gets troubled pretty much every day. They'll know that I am the Lord. That's his promise. That is what's going to happen. Again, God is sovereign over everything. When we give thanks, we honor God, we express our gratitude and appreciation to God for who he is, for what he's like, that he is good, that he is one who is loving. And in Psalm 
136, as I said, it's really a story. It's a summary of their lives. And let me just sum up some of the things that, 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 we, that they should thank God for, given this. We read that he's the creator in this psalm. We read that he defeats the enemy. We read that he saves them. We read that he leads them. We read that, read that he provides for them and that he protects them. We, we read that he helps them when they're hurting. And these are all just, they're all there in the, the text. The thing I want to say to you is this is all of you have a life, okay? You're born in the 30s or the 40s or the 50s or the 60s, the 70s, the 80s and 90s. I always get, what do they say for the, that first decade? This is when Damien was born back in 04. What do they call it? The aughts? Knots? Okay, the knots. Okay, those born in the knots, like Damien, 04, right, Damien? So anyway, you think about your life. All the years, all the years. And you thank the Lord for every year every decade. It's, it's a, a good thing to do because it shows that God, man, God's still got me going. And he helped me and he helped me and he helped me in all these different ways. And so, thank God that he does show his love to you and keep thanking God and knowing that, that you will be thanking him now and forever. Because we all know that in this life here, we, we see God's love, but dimly so. I mean, we, we but when you get to heaven, like, wow, it'd be really encouraging. I mean, God gives us all the love we need to keep going, but because we're fleshly, we, we might remember a little bit one day and then forget the next day and think about it for five minutes, then forget for 10 minutes and, you know, loving the Lord, then we sin a few times. And, I mean, you know, this is the way it is. So the love will be perfect in the future. And when you're thankful, what you're doing is you're recognizing and you're appreciating and honoring God for his work and involvement in your life. That's what you're doing. It's a recognition of God's involvement in your life and an appreciation for it and the lives of others. Being thankful helps you see that God is sovereign, that things just don't happen. I mentioned going back over your life and thanking the Lord. You see, man, God was sovereign there. God was sovereign there. Things don't just happen by chance. God is working all things together for good in your life. And be thankful in everything. Because God is sovereign. He is perfectly orchestrating and ordering everything, every detail, every person in your life. That is what he's doing. The verse, I've said it before, man plans his ways, the Lord directs his steps. We plan the big picture, he plans every, he, he directs every step of our life. It's wonderful truth, so important to know. And therefore, the things that happen in your life are for your good and for his purposes and for his glory. And so thank the Lord for everything. And what I would suggest that you do sometimes, because, you know, okay, I'm going to thank the Lord. Well, you sit down for two minutes. Say, I'm going to take time. And I'm going to go over my whole life. And I'm going to take 20, 30, 40. I'm going to thank the Lord for everything I can think of. Everything in this life. And you start going lower, man, every person you know and every bit of food you have and everything you have and, and what God's doing in your life. Do that. Have a Thanksgiving party. You know, we have a Thanksgiving day where we eat all this food. Have a time where you just really thank him. And I tell you, if your heart is not encouraged after times like that, I, you know, well, it'll happen. If you're really thankful, your heart will be encouraged. You'll see God working in your life. That's so important. So thank God for big things, for little things, for bad things, for good things. Thank God for his word, for the Holy Spirit, for the church. Thank God for family, friend. Thank God for your work. 
Thank God for the money that you have. Thank God for the house you live in. And thank God for the weather. You know, people tend to complain a lot about the weather. Might you be one? This is a really simple thing. Thank God for the weather. Lord, I really don't like this cloud today, but thank you. Thank you. I don't like this storm, but thank you. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord for the food, most basic, most simple. And I got home last week, my, my wife says, Steve, you forgot to thank the Lord for the meal, for the Matthew. I said, I did. I don't know if you're bad. Anyway, but, but, but the, the food thing is it's a simple thing. That, that really, that habit of thanking the Lord for every meal, and, and particularly when you're alone, because when you're somebody else and they're Christian, well, we better thank. That's the thing to do. When you're alone, having breakfast in the morning or lunch, thank the Lord. Bow your head. You don't have to close your eyes, but thank the Lord, okay? Thank the Lord for everything. That's what God wants. So in everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for your life. So when you go through life, then, think about what is happening. Got it? Think about what God is doing. Think about how God is leading. Think about the trials in your life. Think about the people that God places in your life. Think about how God is personally and daily leading you. Think about this. And then thank. Think, thank. Think, thank. Got it? Real simple. Think and then thank. Think about your life and thank him. Simple, simple way to do this is at the end of every day. I've talked about the end of every day, 10, 11 o'clock at night. Think back over your day and thank him for what happened. It takes just two or three minutes. You'll sleep better, okay? Think and thank. Think and thank. I cannot stress this enough. And thank God for the people he puts in your life. I just mentioned that. All of us here, we're not loners. We all have people that we know. And God has so ordained certain people to be in your life. Thank God for the people that he has put in your life. Uh, Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1, 2 says, We give thanks to God always for all of you. Sums it up. We give thanks to God always for all of you. In the epistles, we'll see how Paul was continually, I mean, you, you see it in most of his epistles, thanking God for his work in the lives of people. And Paul then knew, he knew, he could see it, and he, he was thinking spiritually. God was faithfully and actively and daily working in the lives of people, and he thanked God for that. And thanking God for others will help you to love them and pray for them. I mentioned this before. But sometimes with certain people, you just have a hard time with, okay? I'm talking about Christians, too. Or it could be unbelievers. You, you know what I'm saying. Thank the Lord for them. I really believe thanking the Lord for people will help you to love them, and it'll help you to pray for them. So important. It says in Second Thessalonians 1, we ought always to thank, give thanks to God for you. Turn to, um, I'm going to go this briefly, turn to Colossians. Colossians is the epistle where this theme of Paul being thankful is more evident. It, it's just, it's obvious because the words on the page than any other epistle. It's just very clear. And I just want to go through this to just, you can see it and it can be instructive to you. Colossians chapter 1, and I'm going to just read the verses here. About verse 3, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Colossians 1.12 says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints. Colossians 2.7 says, 
having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. That's gratitude, thanksgiving. And it says overflowing, not just little things, just a lot of things. Overflowing with gratitude. We continue Colossians chapter um, 3, verse 14. 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Verse 16. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing with thankful, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That is singing. Thankfulness should be part of our singing. Verse 17. Another one. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And then we go finally then to Colossians 4, 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. So you see the example of Paul. He was definitely one who was thankful. And so, again, the, the, the point here is this, is that thankfulness would be part of your life. That's, that, that's all we're saying. Now, we're, when we're not thankful, we're being ungrateful. And we will grumble. And we will complain. That will happen. And, and I, I've known people in life like this that sometimes it's just hard being around them. I'm not talking about Christians sometimes. They just tend to grumble. And there's, there's not this evidence of thankfulness. They're just complaining about this, that, and the other. And there may be some validity to what they're saying, but God says be thankful. And so might it not ever be said of us that we are grumblers? I mean, we know what happened to the grumblers back in Exodus with, with God when Moses was there, and God judged them just because they were grumbling. So we shouldn't be ones who grumble or complain. And when we're doing that, we're complaining against God. We're saying, God is wrong. God, you're not doing us right. We may not say it in those words, but that's how we're thinking. That's how we're feeling. So we're thankful to God then. We're not complaining. We're not being ungrateful. We're not being mad. We're being glad and we're delighting in the Lord. That's what's going on. And so, again, being thankful is recognizing that God is involved in our lives in a good way, in a positive way. Again, if you just learned thankfulness the last two weeks, boy, that'd change your life, let alone prayer and rejoicing. These things are phenomenal. Rejoice, pray, and thankfulness. Hope you never, ever forget them. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks. RPT. That's what God wants you to do. Psalm 6930. Just one more verse, a couple more verses. Magnify the Lord with thanksgiving. When you magnify something, it becomes big in your eyes, right? It becomes bigger. So thanksgiving, it says here, results in God becoming big in your life. And he should appear big in your life because he is big in your life. God is the one who's spiritually and physically holding you together at this very minute and for the last number of years. He holds you together. He's involved in every single aspect of your life, every detail of your life. He does so many good things. And again, I mentioned this last week, you can rejoice for hundreds of things. You can thank God for hundreds of things, so many good things. And we can tend to be complainers as Christians. We all tend to complain a little bit, okay? But might God change that even more and more and more? So again, I can't emphasize enough the importance of rejoicing, praying, and giving thanks. So just as you go home today, this week, Say, God, help me. And it might be one more than the other, but I would say this, that over time, God, help me to rejoice and pray and give thanks. If this is your goal for 2023, that's a good goal. 
All I want, Lord, is to grow in rejoicing, praying, and giving thanks. Man, you come back the end of the year, you'll be a changed person, radically so, positively so, wonderfully so. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks. I just want to read a few verses from Psalms, and we're done. Psalm 9. You see the attitude of the psalmist, again, a good example for Psalm 9, 1 to 3. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonders. I'll be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Chapter 92, Psalm 92, 1 and 2. Verse 1, it's good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night. You get the idea that it's good to give thanks and sing praises and declare his love in the morning. Three things. Get in the morning. Give thanks. Thank you, Lord, for the new day. Sing praises and declare his loving kindness. That is, that means, you know what that means? Sometimes you get up and, oh, no, another day. Oh, it's going to be a bad day. Woe is me. No, man, God's going to be good to me today. He loves me. I can't wait to see how he's going to show his love to me today. Declare your loving kindness in the morning. Finally, Psalm 100, verses 4 and 5. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, which sort of gives the idea that in your time with the Lord, Lord, here I am. Thank you for everything. Thanks. Start that way with God. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord his good, his loving kindness, his everlasting, his faithfulness to all generations. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. Lord, thank you so much for bringing us here, for the music, the songs we can sing, for the words about rejoicing and praying and giving thanks. And, and Lord, we all do this. And thank you, Father, that you've helped us. You've, you've raised us up as your children. You've brought us through the days and the months and the years, and we thank you for that. But Lord, help us at this time in our lives, wherever we're at, to help us to keep growing, to be one who's rejoicing even more and praying more and giving thanks. And I pray, Father, that you'd make it very specific with each one of us. Lord, it might be more we should grow in rejoicing or more giving thanks or more praying. And, but just do this. Might this be true of our church? We are a rejoicing church, a praying church, a, a thankful church. Lord, just do that, we ask. Thank you for each one here. Thank you for those who couldn't be with us today, that God, you continue to minister, to encourage each of us. Use us, God. How you wish, especially during this, this Christmas season, it should be more easy, I say that in one hand, but to talk about you. Indeed, this is the season we celebrate, not giving gifts per se, but not singing songs or making certain kinds of foods or candies or cakes, but rather, Lord, you, Lord Jesus, came into this world, became Emmanuel, God with us, and we thank you so much for that. So just lead us, God, this whole Christmas season. Use us, God, for your purposes. Pray for for, for Bethel, Lord, thank you so much for them, for Raphael and the leaders and the entire church. Bless them, God. Use them for your purposes and glory, too. And protect us all, we pray. And just thank you again now. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Activity-wise, we have our uh, Bible study time this Wednesday, uh, the 14th, if you're available, it's uh, 645.
And then wanted to point out next Sunday uh, afternoon, so 4.30 next Sunday afternoon, we will have a uh, Christmas singing and fellowship time. If you're available to come in the afternoon, sing some good songs, and then fellowship, uh, maybe bring some finger foods to share with each other. Uh, we'll have some, um, and if you're able to come out, that would be great next Sunday. And then wanted to make you aware that um, Barb Stebbins has moved to Ocala. She moved up there to um, be closer to her niece, uh, who can um, look over her care a little bit better than when Barb was down here. So uh, just wanted to bring her up to let you know she moved and also that you would pray for her. As Steve was saying, praying for others, wanted you to lift her up in prayer, always hard getting settled into a new area, so I'm sure she would appreciate that. And then uh, lastly, wanted to mention uh, just initiating with others this time of year as you're getting closer to Christmas. Um, uh, Steve was saying not to be introspective so much, but to look out to others and initiate, maybe uh, uh, whether it's a call or a visit or having somebody over. Um, and as you do that, I reminded uh, uh, one of our former pastors, Gary Galligan, would say to uh, make sure you take some food with you or some type of a snack or something if you're going to visit somebody at a home. So uh, just remember to do that and be uh, be one that's sharing with others. So um, now we have our last songs. And offering-wise, you've got the box on the back table where you can mail it in or uh, give online. Thank you. let you stay seated for one more because we're going <clears> to <throat> um, the praise team wanted to do a special as well and um, sometimes the very familiar Christmas carols are some of the most beautiful songs and specials so we wanted to try and do uh, a way in a manger for you and uh, the words are there in the thing if you'd like to follow along um, away in a manger. Away in a manger, no crib for a bed, the little Lord Jesus down his sweet head the stars in the sky looked down where he lay the little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay the shepherds had come to the Bethlehem fold and found there the Christ child just as they were told they knelt by the manger that cradled a king and worshiped the savior of whom angels sing 
The kettle a-lowing, the baby awakes. But little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. I love thee, Lord Jesus, look down from the sky. And stay by my cradle till morning is nigh. Jesus, I ask thee to stay close by me forever and love me, I pray. Bless all the dear children in thy tender care and fit us to heaven to live with Now, if you would stand, we'll sing our last Christmas carol. Hark, the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn King. Hark, the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn King, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, joy the triumph of the skies, with angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time behold Him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Flesh the Godhead see, hailed in toil and deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. And desire of nations come, Fix in us thy humble home, rise the woman's conquering seed, bruise in us the serpent's head. Adam's likeness now face, stamp thine image in its place. Second Adam from above, reinstate us in thy love. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. Benediction from Psalm 111. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart in the company of the upright and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. Amen. Amen.